Welcome to a Catalyst for Change podcast, where we are a catalyst to inspire compassion among people, promote collaboration with leaders, and build capacity for programming. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Catalyst for Change show sponsored by Support After Abortion. I am your host today, Lisa Rowe. I have the honor and privilege of serving as the CEO for Support After Abortion. At Support After Abortion, our vision is to end the demand for abortion by impacting and healing those who have experienced abortion. We do that through three pillars. We inspire compassion among people. We help promote collaboration among leaders, and we build capacity for programming. And today we're going to be talking about programming and the importance of growing our capacity with my dear friend. Uh, She's now a colleague of mine at Support After Abortion. She's been on this amazing journey with me for the better part of seven-ish years. Uh, And so without further ado, let me introduce you to my dearest friend, Heidi Inlow. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank so you so glad. much for having me, Lisa. <laughs> you're welcome. I am so glad that you're here today. And I'm really excited about our conversation. It's the first conversation of its kind on mm-hmm. our platform. And some people might be, uh, you know, asking questions or interested in why we might bring that to the table. And so the topic today is miscarriage. and how it connects to abortion and how it connects to abortion healing. And so my hope and desire today, Heidi, is that through your story, through your experiences, people might come to know that there is healing and they might come to better understand how closely aligned with abortion Mm -hmm. miscarriage really is. And so uh, without further ado, I'd love it if you could just open us up and tell us a little bit about you personally, your family, um, and then maybe we'll go into your story a little bit. Yeah. So um, thank you again. Very nervous. This is the first time I've ever done this. So I appreciate you just uh, encouraging and growing me. So a little bit about myself. So I am moved to Florida when I was one. I've been married now for godly almost 22 years. We have three children, two are in college. One is um, junior in high school. So very busy life. I feel like life is slowing down in certain areas. Um, but it's, it's been crazy to walk into this new chapter of almost grown children and learning new pieces about myself now about my marriage. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting journey the past two years, just with slipping out of a little bit of more than motherhood need to more stepping into almost my own time and, um, what God actually has for me now. So that's a little bit about me and where I've been the past 22 years raising children and now stepping into more, um, I think more of a purposeful place that he's had me for a long time and now just placing me right where I'm supposed to be. So, so yeah. That's awesome, Heidi. And so, like I said earlier, Heidi and I met, uh, we were running um, (laughs) together uh, like six years ago, a little bit, maybe a little bit sooner than that. And Heidi, you started a journey um, at Mm. that point. I I feel so honored to have been a part of that. Would you help our viewers? um, Would you bring our viewers back to that place? Because I feel like so many women can relate. Yeah. So for me, So Matt, Lisa was at a really low point in my life, a lot of depression, a lot of loss of identity. Um, I was going through actually a lot of hard time with our oldest daughter and being in a Christian family, I was really struggling. This isn't what's supposed to happen to our family. Um, And I felt very lost. And so I think um, from that, 
encounter with you that God placed, I was able to journey through this to know that it is normal. This is part of parenting. Um, your faith has nothing to do with this. Um, it's normal. And, you know, so I think sometimes being raised in a box of, you know, culture, or what Christianity is, you think that you can't be touched by hard times. Um, and it was a roller coaster, but she's thriving. She's a, she's in college, you know, so it was just a season. And I think that was really maybe the biggest takeaway. It's just a season. Um, so, yeah. So is that. Yeah, that's about it. So, yeah, well, I feel like her experience unraveled some of your deep roots um, with with your own self and and watching her grow up and it triggered some things in you. Yes. Uh, You know, can you say more about that? Yeah. So I think with I was a very controlling parent, Um, a lot of fear when it came to raising my children. And so it was Hannah stepped away from some of my safety net. I felt very out of control of the safety protection of my child. Um, And what I was able to really kind of dig into that was just my own sexual trauma that I had as a child, which I never understood that impacted the raising of my children. Um, Because unfortunately, it was never spoken about until honestly meeting you, Lisa, and sharing deep, dark secrets that my child was struggling. To me, that was a deep, dark secret. You weren't supposed to let people in. But then as I got to unearth and just really process on a run, I learned that I was freaking out because of feeling loss of control that was triggering me from when I was five years old and I had no control of it. And so that really, um, I used to always say I broke Hannah. I always, I used to always say I broke my oldest daughter, but in the end, I was just raising her from a very broken place that is all restorable, you know? And so now we don't have this perfect relationship, but we do have a very open, um, I can own it when I'm going back to myself and then it makes sense how I'm parenting her. So it's, it's, it's been a process, man. It's been a very exhausting couple of years to say the least. Yeah. And it's been so neat watching you heal. And as you've healed, you've been able to be a healer for those around you, including Mm. your children. Um, I am just so impressed with how you've been able to manage and and find your, your, your path. (laughs) Because for our viewers, uh, we know that some of the statistics say one in four women will be sexually abused. Mm -hmm. One in four children will be sexually abused. And it correlates with the one in four who will experience abortion, one in four who will experience miscarriage. Like, I don't think that there is a, um, like that's an accident. Like that statistic feels all too common. And and we're going to kind of break that down today. So you carried this sexual trauma till how old were you, Heidi, when we started running 38? So I was golly. So six years, I'm 45. So yeah, right about 38, 39. Yeah. So here you are for 39 years. This was inside of you. Your family didn't talk about it. Nobody talked about it. You're raising two beautiful girls and an amazing son. You're married to your sweetheart yet. This is like baggage. Like you've had on your back and you, you say it for the first time you say it out loud 
And then I believe you started walking into some healing groups. Can you say more about (laughs) what that looked like? Yeah. So that's a whole nother journey. So, um, I took a position at a nonprofit thinking, wow, this is the place I'm supposed to be. My kids don't need me. I'm not going to be able to be a part of this organization that I can help these other women that have been impacted by trauma. Well, lo and behold, God's like, okay, Heidi, I I need you here for yourself. So that was my first step into walking into a healing process. I actually got to get some therapy to really start the conversation. And I really believe that's where it really began to hurt really deeply um, in a good, uncomfortable way. I started my journey on my own at like 38 and thought I was good to go. And then it just, yeah, that was a whole nother story. So now I'm in therapy, undigging all this crap, this sexual trauma, this divorce of my family, just all of these things. And it just opened up Pandora's box. So what do you do from there? And so from that, I, um, of course, I resigned it just, my purpose there was to begin this journey. And then I walked into um, Pregnancy Solutions, an amazing organization here locally. Um, and with that, because I was so heavily triggered by a volunteer, an older gentleman, massive trigger incident, I was just the five-year-old again, just being reprimanded and just unseen and huge trigger for me, which led to my first sexual healing group. Um, I didn't even piece that together. And Lisa, I think that was you that mentioned it. Heidi, I think this is deeper than just a volunteer situation. This is, this is, this is someone who represents your abuser. I never understood that Lisa. And so unwillingly I entered this sexual healing group. I was late to my first class by 30 minutes. Um, avoidance is so strong, but yet at the same time, um, I knew I was meant to be there. So that was my first step into healing, um, really deep healing, being surrounded by women who have gone through similar violations that I have and just know that my actions and my, my brokenness was normal. And I think that's when it began to feel normal you know, my controlling mechanisms, my uh, just perfectionism mechanism, it's normal. And so that was really the first time in that sexual healing group that I began to feel normal and broken and okay with it. Um, And then I was able to go through Unraveled Roots. Again, crazy. You know, you enter this sometimes. I think sometimes I enter this group to, to learn for other people. And in the end, I learned from myself because what I was able to experience that even though I have siblings who impacted, who went through the same childhood, their perspective of their trauma is so different than mine. So I was able to stop fighting for my voice and my family for certain things and know that their perspective is so different. So I think as I journey into each one of these you know, I'm able to identify more pieces about myself and know that it's my journey. Um, and then the last one, which I never thought I would be a part of, um, was the miscarriage loss group. And this was a piece of me that very few knew about. Um, and it wasn't something I ever spoke about or owned or thought it was part of my journey. Um, yeah, that wasn't the case. So then now I, here I am in this miscarriage loss group, realizing the deep connections I have with my first child from the impact of my miscarriage from the first, the very first miscarriage. Um, I did not realize 
how much that carried into my, my, my first daughter that I delivered. I didn't even want to hold her. And now that I was able to go through this miscarriage group, I, I was understanding that deep disconnection from her. And there was so much shame connected to my miscarriage. Um, so yeah, so it's just a continuing, um, but each group that I enter allows me to feel more and more normal because it's okay. And I think that's the biggest thing for me. It's okay. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm reflecting too, Heidi, as you navigated your miscarriage, you were in a compromised <laughs> season according to the world standards. Yeah. Right. And, and so the vulnerability that comes and, and that's what I hope our viewers see today or hear today is that, you know, we have these early childhood experiences, most of us that help to shape the way we see, hear, feel, and react to the world. And I said, react, not respond. Most mm-hmm. of us are not taught how to respond to adversity. We watch our parents react by drinking, mm-hmm. by smoking, by doing drugs, by quieting down and not talking about it like your family. And so we end up taking on those things until we meet like that, you know, detour in the road. And it's like, keep doing what you're doing and keep experiencing the pain or take the other road. Yeah. And so here you were having had an experience, a lot of experience with sexual abuse, you know, being silenced, experiencing divorce, um, learning to quiet your voice in every matter, like don't, don't say a word, it doesn't matter. And now you're in a relationship with your then boyfriend, Mm -hmm. soon to be husband, and tell us how the world reacted to that. Yeah. So, um, I used to say my miscarriage story is very different, but what I'm learning is it's very common. It's very similar to everyone else's stories. So I'm, I'm grateful that I now have that. I think that just came from the shame of it. So, um, I was engaged. We found ourselves pregnant, um, excited. I shared it with him. Uh, no one else knew our story. So I, with that, what happened weeks later was I began to miscarry. And so at least I did all by myself, you know, it was to this day, one of the worst pains I've ever experienced. I was home, not alone. My stepfather was home and yet I still chose to do this all by myself. I couldn't trust anybody. I couldn't let anybody in the shame that here I am pregnant. I'm a Christian. This isn't supposed to be what I'm doing, you know? So now I'm just going to take care of this myself. And I found a doctor, got to the doctor and that was it. And spoke with it with Adam and never spoke of it really again, unless I wanted the attention from somebody, you know? So, but um, very few knew that story. So, so yeah. Yeah. And so much of what you just shared, um, and I'm I'm so grateful I had not ever heard that part of your journey. Um, So much of what you just shared is what I'm hearing in the group that I'm leading right now, where a woman said, you know, it was like, I went home and it was like, I flushed my goldfish down the toilet. And she Mm -hmm. was referencing her baby who she had just aborted. And, and it feels very similar in the experience of it. Uh, I don't want our viewers to think that I'm, I'm saying that the pain for miscarriage and abortion, um, is so similar, but there's elements of it. There's essence of the experience that do connect. Yes. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So as I'm, you know, as I'm slowly speaking more and connecting more with people, um, reaching out to women who I know personally been impacted by a miscarriage, um, 
a lot of shame, Lisa. Um, whether for me, my shame was embarrassment. Here I am a Christian. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, there was relief when I when I lost the baby, because now life goes back to normal, you know, now I can just continue on with my life. And everything's great. And nobody knew this secret. So but what I'm also hearing is, I can't do this, my I'm not even a good person. What is wrong with me? So what I've been able to really see from some women is there is a lot of shame when they can't have a baby. There's a lot of what's wrong with me. Why can't my body naturally do this? Everybody else can do this. Why can't I? So I think when you compare the two, and and you're right, they're two different entities. But what I've been able to really see is that emotional battle that begins when a woman miscarriage is very similar, can be very similar to the woman who's experienced the abortion, so much shame. And then, and then there's a lot of, oh, how do I have joy at this new baby? If, if I hadn't lost the the first one, would I have the second one? So there's a lot of these emotions that they don't know how to express because it's not spoken about. It's okay to love your first the firstborn child and know it's okay that you lost your first. So I think there's just a lot of shame and I don't know how to embrace this new pregnancy. Um, I'm afraid it's not going to last. So I'm just waiting for it to fall apart. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for it to miscarry. Um, Just a lot of these emotions that what I'm seeing is they have no idea how to process that Lisa. So is that what you're asking? Did I answer that right? You did a great job. And so when I'm listening to you, I I hear the terminology that we hear so often in the medical community, reproductive loss. And so there's a few experiences that are kind of coupled under that terminology, miscarriage, abortion, stillbirth, and adoption. So there's four elements of what what, what the world calls reproductive loss or the medical community calls reproductive loss. And at support after abortion, we've come into um, so many conversations with women and men who have experienced abortion and sexual he- sexual abuse and miscarriage and adoption and stillbirth. And so what we've chosen to do at support after abortion is help treat the trauma Mm -hmm. um, from a comprehensive perspective. So all of the groups that Heidi has gone through are all connected to support after abortion. Mm -hmm. You can find every single group that Mm -hmm. she's just mentioned at supportafterabortion.com through our virtual groups link. And we're encouraging others like us and other pregnancy centers and healing programs and organizations that provide therapy to bring about a more comprehensive approach to healing, because as you heard, it's layered for Heidi. Mm -hmm. She had no, Heidi, you had no idea that miscarriage was something that was impacting your parenting Mm -hmm. until you unlayered the sexual abuse. You started on the sexual healing, unraveled roots with your family. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, maybe I should attempt this group. And there, there you are sitting. Yeah. And I think the important thing for me has, has been the most eye-opening. You know, my miscarriage was 22 years ago. Um, it wasn't spoken about, even the doctor's office, you know, sorry for, you know, sorry, this is normal. This is common. Um, it, and pat you on the back and you walk out there. Well, now that they did anything incorrectly, it's normal for them. And what I love that, that I get to say now is it's not normal for us. You know, so it's normal for the physician to guide you that way. 
we're leaving broken, you know, broken. I mean, what, what are we supposed to do? We go back to work the next day, you know? So it's, it's one of those things that when I'm learning is from my miscarriage, you know, the rest of my story is three months later, I'm pregnant again, still not married. So much embarrassment that I played with and not within my head for years, I felt stupid, but I didn't share that with anybody, not even with Adam. So here I am pregnant now, never really processed my miscarriage, didn't share to speak it. Um, and now here I am stupid. I, how did I let this happen again? Could you not Lisa? I'm like, God took care of it the first time. Now look what I did, you know? So then I was able to identify in my group. I didn't even want to hold Hannah when I, when the doctor put her on me and I never understood why it's because I was too ashamed, mm-hmm. you know? So, and it has laid, it has impacted how I've raised her, you know? And so now I can speak about it. Now I'm like, yeah, I have three children. I've had a miscarriage. So I've had four kids, you know, and it's just, it's so much lightness now because now I've given my child that I lost a purpose on this life. And that's the beauty that I've been able to receive from this healing group, not mentioning the life. There's no purpose. Every life has a purpose. And now, even though mine was super young, you know, never walked on the earth, there was still a purpose behind that sweet baby. And so now I can speak it and bring life into something that I felt dirty and shameful and stupid and embarrassed. And now, no, that one had a purpose mighty purpose. So if that's what I can encourage from these groups and with the miscarriage loss group, um, I reveal things about myself and my group that were identified to my sexual trauma. You know, why I went through my loss, how I did was because I can only protect myself. I think that's the biggest thing. Unlayering these pieces in these groups, you slowly connect pieces, you know? So I think that's just been really beautiful for me. Wow. And Heidi, as you've been walking in more freedom, the light inside of you is attracting more and more women that have Mm. experienced a lot of the similar pains that you have. And so I'd love for you to share, um, you know, what that's been like for you and maybe what you're seeing too, as a result. It's been, um, overwhelming, overwhelming, and just very humble. Um, I don't know if I use that word right, but I've connected with a couple of friends and just in conversations, hearing their pain and then hearing their journey. Um, and then, you know, a friend reached out super early on in their pregnancy and was able to share that they're waiting for basically the shoe to drop because this I've had two miscarriages. We're not getting excited. So I think me allowing myself to know I'm broken and that's okay. It's inviting other ladies in to share their deep secrets, you know, and even in the group, uh, the pain that they go through, allowing them to have a space to really let that wall down has been overwhelming. And it's, it's hard. I cry all the time. And that's the biggest pet peeve of mine is crying. Um, but just being able to be present to let someone else share their fear and, and be able to say, that's normal, normal to anticipate a loss when you've gone through this two or three times, it's normal and it's okay. 
you know, so I think that's the biggest and talking to friends who have gone through miscarriages, who have never shared it, you know, share the depth secrets of it, you know, because they've never had a place. So I think that's my biggest, I, I never thought about that, Lisa. So it's interesting you asked me that because I just, just doing what I do, but you know, it is neat. It's very neat. And it's, it's not me. It's him all day long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's your yes, Heidi, to what almost now like a decade, almost like half yeah. of a decade, at least of um, putting one foot in front of the other, whether you liked mm-hmm. it or not, and really just trusting the process of healing and knowing that there's still more to come. Mm-hmm. But every time you take one more step forward, somebody else is impacted by your healing, mm-hmm. which is such a beautiful gift. Yeah, it's overwhelming. It's over because it's exhausting. I don't want to, I don't want to not tell people that going on these healing journeys is just so fun and pleasant. They're exhausting. Um, but I love every time with exhaustion, you always have rest, mm-hmm. you know, so there's always a season of rest, but getting through that stuff, it's exhausting. Um, but we can so do it. And that's the thing. I never knew I had the power, not power, but the strength to talk about certain things. And I'm not going to lie. I still struggle with my family, you know, and I think that's just, it's just the constant and it's okay, you know, cause it is normal, you know? So I think it's, uh, yeah, it's exhausting, but so worth the journey. Wow. And as you've been on this journey, you've been able to recognize some of the strengths of the journey, right. And, and the resources that have been super powerful for you, but you've also noticed some of maybe the weaker points Um, And one of the things you shared with me recently is Lisa, there's just not a lot of support for those women and men who've experienced miscarriage. Uh, Can you tell our viewers what you've really been able to experience? Yeah. And let me um, just real briefly, because I haven't mentioned men a lot. So I do want to make sure that that is heard. Um, Men hurt just as deeply. And the really sad thing is there's hardly anything for that. It's a miscarriage. It's just the woman it impacts them in just as heavily. So I am so glad you went back to that. Um, I think what I, what I, you know, as I'm researching, there are books, so I don't want to not say that there's not books to journey through this. What I've heard is there's just not a lot of resources for this specific, you know, you can bring God into every book. You can do this, you can do that. But I think what's missing is the clear conversation books, you know, this is what happened. How did it affect you? Um, the resources just aren't from my perspective, haven't been strong enough to really have that direct conversation of really what has happened. Um, I don't know if that makes sense because there are books out there. Um, they're just so long, (laughs) you know, it's like you get a book that's 250 pages long and it's like, Oh, and it's reliving it every page, every page you're reliving it. So, so that's one area that's really lacking from my perspective is just curriculum that's really geared directly for this reproductive loss, miscarriage loss. Um, there's not a lot of resources. And then the other part is just educating the medical field, you know, so the OBGYN, however you say the offices, it is normal for them statistically shows this is a normal process. Um, if we could just sit and talk and, and just collaborate with them a little bit more to, to get in their offices, a pamphlet that we can hand, you know, cause it's not normal for that woman or for that man, 
you know, so if they knew that they had a place to call and that they had a place to express what was happening, golly, maybe it wouldn't be 22 years, you know, maybe it would be a month down the road, you know? So I think that's such a pivotal piece is getting those connections in our community and creating just a resource that's going to be very specific. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so what I hear you saying is more of a beginner level or an entry level way of discussing miscarriage and beginning the healing journey. Uh, oftentimes, um, what I what we find with our healing material is that it's expansive. And it's rightfully so people don't want to start something and not finish right what yeah. they started, they want to take you through the whole process, they want to make sure that whatever pain you started with, that you really have the coping skills. But like with abortion healing, and with sexual healing, like we need an entry point, we need a place Mm -hmm. to just name it, right. And, and to say, listen, you're not alone. Let's just name this and know that there's a next step for you. This is step Mm -hmm. one. And what I'm hearing you say is there's not really a step one right now. There's from what I've seen, there's not, and we're, we have a great resource that we're able to use right now. Um, you know, so there are some out there, but right now, there's just not a lot. Where do you yeah. go? Google miscarriage loss books. You won't find anything, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, well, you may find something. Um, so that's what is missing because it is, it's, you don't want to go through a 30 week thing. It's, it's what can I do to help myself right now? And then when I have a better grasp on what's going on, okay, what's the next step? But yeah, just mm-hmm. what you said, you know, what is, what, what can be very specific for that step one? So, but yeah, for sure. So good. Yeah. And we've partnered with an organization called life perspectives and they have a great step one. And, um, if you're interested in learning more, uh, life perspectives is the name of the organization and they have a website and miscarriage hurts is the book that they have. Um, I think that that might meet the needs of quite a few people, but what you're saying is there's just not much outside of that. And And that we really need to call on the hearts and minds of people that have been called to do that, to Mm -hmm. take a step forward and and do that. And I know you're feeling a little ignition in your spirit (laughs) to take the next step. Can you tell our viewers a little bit about what, what's kind of inspiring you? So I think for me, I, I'm not a writer or author by any means, but, um, I have just that has sparked within me. And so what has really formulated over this past week is who in my realm has the capacity and, um, there's a few women. So, and, and that's how to at least get it started, you know? So just pulling on the women that I know God's placed them in my life. Um, and so they're just to get that going, the conversation started because that's what has to happen is a conversation. And then from that conversation, what's next. So I think I've been hiding this for a little bit cause it's, it's big, um, but it it stays right here. So I know it has to move forward. So whether that is just getting something, I I don't know, but there is this yearning to get something. And I know there's some ladies that I've prayed very specifically um, that it can get accomplished. Um, Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not an author, author, God, I'm not, it's not who I am, but I think what has ignited in me, Lisa is, it's a necessity. Mm-hmm. This this healing book for miscarriage loss and just listening to women share, it's life altering. 
you know, so, and then we could get it into the, you know, these doctors, it's just, yeah, I'm a dreamer if y'all can't tell, you know, so just God has put in me to write, write, something needs to get written. Um, So yeah. Well, a couple girlfriends you phone calls. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be spurring you on because I am thrilled at all that's going on in and through you, Heidi, you're an inspiration to women. Um, you know, if a pastor's listening or a women's director's listening, I think it's really important that people understand that Heidi's story is all too common. A mm. church going woman led by church going parents mm. was sexually abused. It was ignored. And then it led to so many different things as a result. And there again, miscarriage was kept quiet and there and kept quiet for 20 years. And so I just hope that leaders in our country and across our world would hear that 25% of abortion of, of women that are having children find themselves in an abortion clinic. 25% of pregnancies right now bland in miscarriage. So if we don't look at the overlap, but maybe look at that as like a continuum, that's 50% of the women Mm -hmm. childbearing age in our congregation that have been impacted by reproductive loss, Mm -hmm. not to mention stillbirths and foster care and adoption that also impacts that. So if we're not talking about this topic from the platform, educating our families, giving them permission to bring these up with their children and have conversations and the tools to do that, we're, we're missing a huge mark. Yeah. Yeah. So good, Lisa. And that's, you know, being raised in church, I don't know any different, you know, I don't know what decisions would have been like outside the church. Cause you know, I was in church in the womb, you know, so for me, this is the only life I've known. Um, and it never got spoken, you know? And so, how do you handle it? If you haven't, you know, not that, not that the church raises me by any means. Um, but when you're not hearing it from the front, how is it normal for when it impacts you? So, so, so relevant for that. Having that, getting the, the, the language to be part of our culture is pivotal, pivotal because there are women and our, and men, their family is hurting because they can't have the baby that's sitting right next to them that somebody just had but they're coming to church, they're smiling, you know, so how do we help that to become part of our everyday conversation? So yeah, so good. So good. Hmm. Well, Heidi, I am so glad that you were a part of this conversation with me today. Your boldness and your healing journey are super inspiring. I'm grateful to be your friend. And I love that you've joined forces with us at support (laughs) after abortion. Um, and I just can't wait to see all that God's going to continue to do through you and for you and your family. Well, I think I'm honored to be here and just, um, very overwhelmed where he has placed me truly overwhelmed by it. And thank you for joining us on this journey and watching the Catalyst for Change show or listening through our podcast. If you are interested in learning more about how you can become a Catalyst, join us at supportafterabortion.com. Thank you for joining us today. If you or someone you know has been impacted by abortion, you are not alone. Contact us today at supportafterabortion.com. If you were inspired by today's message, we welcome you to join the conversation by following us on Facebook or Instagram.